Farouk Giovanni, welcome to Johannesburg, mate. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Fantastic. Well, so I mean, I ran, I ran into you at the uh, South African Business Angels Network launch. Uh, this is your first time in town, right? Um, no, I've been in Joburg, like in my past career, where I used to work here at in Cape Town. Um, but this is my first time in town as an investor in startups. Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little bit about that, and we'll weave in your your past history and what would motivate you to to take the plunge and and choose. Uh, you know, Africa as the place to, you know, to dip your feet, so to speak. So, you know, what do you make of Demo Africa 2016? We've had conversations about this off mic. Um, what do you make of what's, what's slowly becoming a serious ecosystem, at least in my opinion? So to date, I haven't been involved in the, let's say, ecosystem in Africa as, you know, as much as I probably should be. Um, this is probably my first large event um, within the startup entrepreneurship ecosystem in Africa. And I have to say, I'm impressed. It's definitely going in the right direction. Um, there's a lot of interest um, in, in, in driving entrepreneurship um, across the continent. Um, I think everyone understands that it will drive a tremendous amount of value. Um, and I'm impressed that it's going in the right direction. And so that's saying a lot given your background. You've got a, a consulting background. You spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley. Uh, you're actually just fresh from a stint at, at uh, Stanford. All impressive things. So what are you most impressed about uh, given the, the benchmarks you've obviously been exposed to elsewhere? So I think, uh, you know, one, I think the quality of entrepreneurship is, is improving. Um, I, I've been meeting with entrepreneurs over the last three years while I've been in East Africa. And, uh, you know, I'd say I can see it improving. Yeah. Um, and I can also see that there is a lot of more interest from angels and investors locally, not just internationally, in investing in African entrepreneurs and growing the space. And it's not token, right? No, I think they're looking at it from a business perspective. So it's not like, you know, let's invest in this because it's charity or it's social impact only. But they're looking at it from a, these are good businesses. There's viable, you know, profits that will come out of these investments. And that's why we're going to do it. So there are a lot of you, you know, consulting types that uh, leave the business, you know, and, and then sort of turn co commentators on the tech ecosystem. Not many are like you. Um, serious about becoming angel investors. In fact, you've put your money where your mouth is. You, you've invested in dundo.com uh, as well as cyber.co.ke. What has been your experience in terms of transitioning from <laughs> essentially consulting around helping other people manage their resources to managing your own? So I don't think my transition into investing was, let's say, perhaps as structured as it needed to be. Um, I kind of made investments and said, all right, did I make the right investments? Did I do them in the right manner? Um, I feel confident in the ones that I've made today. I think they're good investments. I think there's a lot of potential. Um, but that transition has kind of been a desire to help build companies and have a vested stake in it. Yeah. When you're a consultant, you fix everyone else's business and then you leave and then it wasn't yours. And typically people hate you after you're gone. I think they like me, but maybe others. <laughs> Well, I suppose. It depends, again, who you are in the organization. Typically, if you're in the C-suite, they love you. The C-suite loves me. Everybody else kind of didn't like me. But, you know, that's part, of the, part and parcel of the game, I guess. So when you talk about a structured approach to, to, to investing, uh, let, let's dial back. Okay, let's dial back to you're sitting in the U.S. thinking about which part of the world to exercise, you know, your... Your, you know, to flex your angel investment wings. <laughs> um, and, and then you pick Africa and then later 
pick specifically Kenya and then specifically these businesses. Tell me about the, the sort of science or lack thereof that was applied to each process. So I think it didn't start in the U.S. I mean, I've left the U.S. 10 years ago. I lived in Asia for five years. I lived in the Middle East for a couple of years, worked across, I think, 18 countries. Um, somewhere along that process where, you know, you realize I'm a consultant. I help everyone else. I don't necessarily have anything at stake. I, don't, I can't show anything for all the work I've done over all of these years. Um, I started looking at, well, where do I want to settle? Where do I want to invest? Um, where do I want to grow my, you know, my future life? Um, it was Africa. That was kind of an easy answer why why is it so easy so, it's not so obvious for other people so, for some so easy whether it was fully thought out and fully understood about the challenges of actually doing business here and growing businesses um perhaps not um but one of the primary reasons was you know my family was originally from tanzania um and uh, my parents were born there my grandparents were born there i had no experience there before the age of i think 29 um or 28 yeah 26 um but i moved to east africa because i like emerging markets um, and I'd spent a lot of time in Asia from like 2006 to 2011, and I'd seen Southeast Asian economies basically take this curve up and develop. I've seen entrepreneurship develop there. Um, in 2006, there's probably very little liquidity in the market. There was not a lot of investments going on. You had your founders pitching for their first investments. Um, you had very little VC activity. And if you look at it today in 2016, it's very active. It's growing. Um, and these 300 million 200 million, 100 million person economies um, are now driving investment growth and, you know, mobile phones have transformed those countries. Um, I kind of looked at the map and I said, okay, well, where is it going to happen next? Right? India, it's kind of happened. What's the next step? Africa is the obvious answer. Um, And I think the change it can drive in Africa, whether that, you know, the mobile phones, smartphones, the internet, um, and the development of businesses and technologies on these platforms have a more drastic impact in Africa than they do elsewhere. Um, and that, from that, there's a lot of value to be extracted out of businesses, and there's a lot of people to empower through those products. Right. So you settle on Africa. You choose Kenya. Lagos would be, you know, certainly on the list of places you could consider settling down. Uh, Johannesburg, Cape Town, Kigali, you know, Accra, Cairo, you know, uh, even even Morocco. Um, what? Why Kenya? So I think East Africa is quite interesting in that, you know, if you take mobile money in East Africa. Uh, and by the way, before y'all just send me all these letters saying, you left out, uh, you left out Arare, you know, and I'm, which is obviously my, my home capital city and so on. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I was just sort of just random list of major tech hubs, okay? So grow your thing and maybe you'll make a list one day. Oops, did I make it worse? <laughs> no, no. So I think, I, think, I mean, you look, there's, there's 55 countries. And everyone, you know, when you say Africa, um, there's 55 countries across this continent and they're all different. They're all very, very different. Yeah, the difference between Nairobi and Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, completely different. Um, and you've got to understand those nuances if you're building businesses in these markets. East Africa for me was a bit of a, you know, when I say East Africa, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda. If I missed out anybody, I apologize. Uh, but those those markets are, I think, um, I had a personal connection to them. Yeah, um, I had family history there, and, and and it made sense for me to go there. Um, in terms of Nairobi specifically, so Nairobi and Kenya, I think, has a great deal of human capital, um, and that's very important in doing this. Um, and and governments and economies around Africa, you know, countries around Africa, need to understand that money follows talent. 
and developing talent requires investment in education. And if that investment in education is happening evenly across Africa, um, everybody would have the same attention as Nairobi, Lagos. Yeah, um, but that's not the case. And, and that, I think that's kind of the challenge. Um, Nairobi is, I think, a great starting point for all of East Africa. Um, you've got great human capital. Um, you have investment that has gone in in the past. Um, so you have iHub, you have Nairobi Garage, you've had accelerators based out of Nairobi. Um, and if there is a fund in East Africa, they're present in Nairobi. Now, not to say that there's other countries that are not driving that investment. Um, Rwanda has completely changed a lot of the legislation around capital gains and investments to make it appealing for investors to invest in Rwanda, especially in entrepreneurship, in tech. Um, and they've created a government fund to do so. Um, I think the question for me is, how do these African countries work together to actually build an overall ecosystem? Because while Nigeria may only care about Nigeria because they have lots of people in Nigeria, the value is really across a continent. I mean, if you take the U.S., for example, the U.S. has 300 million people with an average GDP per capita that is significantly higher than the GDP per capita across every African country. So if you launch a product or business in the U.S. in one country with one set of legislation, with one set, you know, with one common market, you could expand across a population that has a relatively high GDP per capita. Very quickly. Yes, and it's a lot easier. So if you want to build a business and make money, you'd do it in the U.S. You wouldn't go and say, let me do it in Nigeria. Let me do it in Kenya. Because if I'd launch in Kenya, I've got 40 million people with a lower GDP per capita. So how am I going to extract value? And at the end of the day, all of this investment is... If it's not driven by, if it's not driven by making money, it's not going to be of long-term value to these economies, to these people, um, and so on. And, and I think that's absolutely key. Um, so the question is, how do the, how does Africa, you know, whether it be East Africa as a region, whether it be Sub-Saharan Africa, whether it be um, certain regional blocks, work together to, you know make it appealing for an investor to invest in Tanzania, invest in Rwanda, but expand their business beyond that single market so they can actually gain value out of the money that is invested. You're sort of betraying your hopes as uh, in terms of what you, where you'd like to see the, the continent go uh, in terms of the, 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 the corporate tech ecosystem maturing uh, and certainly giving the investments you've made so far a chance to scale successfully across a number of different countries, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, I have made investments specifically in a space where I believe you can scale across countries. Um, so we take Madundo, for, for example. Madundo is currently East Africa's largest music streaming service with a monthly, million monthly active users. Um, do we extract value from all those million monthly active users? We are revenue generating, but the big picture is we have more and more people coming onto mobile phones. We have more and more people consuming content through their mobile phones and moving away from traditional forms of media, i.e. radio. So right now we know that on average our users spend 90 plus minutes a month listening to content on our platform. That's 90 minutes they're not on radio. Now, do we have a million users in Kenya? No. Ironically, our largest user base today is now in Tanzania. Why? Because the cost of data. Now, if we're a startup and we only focused on one country, Kenya, we're more likely to fail. But if we look at our business and our product and say we're going to invest, you know, if I look at it as an investor and the company looks at it as we've got to be a regional product or a pan-African product, you're giving, your chance a, you're giving yourself a greater chance of success. Yeah? And I think that's my investment methodology is whatever I invest in, whether it be fintech, which is Saiba, or whether it be Medundo, which is media, um, it's got to play across a region, multiple countries, if not 
part of the continent or all of the continent um, because that's where you'll be able to extract, let's say, those returns that are required to make investment appealing, right? If you tell me your addressable market is a million people in Nairobi and it's going to grow by 6% per annum or 10% per annum for the next 20 years, that's not sexy. If you tell me that there's a billion people across a continent and they're moving two mobile phones and their population is 60% under the age of 18, and I'm not quite sure I'm telling the right demographics, there's a lot of numbers that float around, but let's agree, right? The African population is young. The African population is moving on to mobile phones, and this is transforming them. They're getting connectivity. Of course, there's lots of challenges in terms of like roads and power and all of the basic infrastructure, but this phone, you know, mobile phones are changing everything. And if you understand that, the value is in playing across a larger part of the op- African population rather than saying a border restricts my business. Curtain back on how do you discover this business? How does that lead up to the point where you actually want to sink funds into it? And then speak to your style as an angel investor in terms of keeping an eye on, on growth and, 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 and supporting the team. So I think um, in terms of like identifying investments, I think I'm, I'm still learning that process, right? So Demo Africa is the first time I've attended it. Extremely impressed by you know, a number of the startups that have presented. Um, I think there's a lot of potential out there. Um, this is a great way to discover startups. So coming to these, um, you know, these 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 conferences, coming to these pitch days, um, it exposes you to entrepreneurs that perhaps not don't necessarily, you know, get publicity in standard forms of media like newspapers in in, in, in African markets. Um, so I think that's key. The ones I've discovered, you know, I kind of like understood that there are gaps in certain spaces. Um, they were referred to me through friends, um, or I sought out investments in those spaces. Um, Do you have a favorite way to get discovered as an investor or a favorite way to discover uh, startups? So I think I'm now learning that. I mean, VC for Africa is a great tool. Um, AngelList. Um, ironically, not many African inve- you know, startups publish themselves on AngelList. Um, I now scan pretty much every Twitter. So, you know, everyone's posting, oh, this incubator is producing this 50 startups that raise this much investment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I scan those, start doing my research on those companies, start understanding who else is in that space. And then if I'm interested in something there, I'll contact that founder. Um, in terms of being involved and managing investments that I make, um, so I believe it's really, really key as an angel investor initially, depending on, let's say, the experience of the founders and the knowledge of those founders, of, let's say, the greater, greater ecosystem um, being heavily involved. Yeah, I don't think that this is a space where you can say, look, here's a, you know, convertible note i'm giving you money um and go and run i think you've got to be involved in terms of guiding entrepreneurs in how they build the business how they scale the business whether the product has the right market fit because many of these entrepreneurs are first-time entrepreneurs this isn't silicon valley where everyone's tried three startups and get lucky on the fourth yeah here most entrepreneurs are starting something for the first time and it's critical that you are involved helping them build that business out um, so I'm quite hands-on. Um, in terms of sitting on boards, I mean, when, you know, should the investments I'm involved in get significant venture capital investment from institutional investors going forward, my board seat is re- less relevant. Um, and it's not something that I say I have to have. But an entrepreneur understanding that the person investing them wants to help them is key. And I think if you're an investor that doesn't want to help, then you shouldn't be investing. Um, so I'm quite heavily involved in my startups, right? Whether it be like, oh, here's a new marketing tactic or check out this software or what do you think of this? Or is there an introduction I can make to a commercial partner that might result in you helping grow your business? 
I think that's absolutely key in ensuring these startups succeed. Um, and then helping them navigate, let's say, the minefield of follow-on funding, right? So I don't think any angel investors under the assumption that their check is going to guide this business to profitability or, you know, to success and, and, and global domination or even regional domination or whatever it may be. Um, it needs to be, there is a process to this and understanding that you've got to position these startups to get follow-on funding uh, and where is that follow-on funding going to come from? That's really much, very much a learning process for me at the moment. So, so Medundo is going through a fundraising round and we're saying, well, well who's going to invest in us? Where is this money going to come from? And are there enough players in the market to, to give us, you know, we have an appetite of taking 10 million users across 10 countries in the next two years question is, where are those investors? And in coming to demo like this, you start to meet them, you start to understand that they are there, but it's something that's gonna take time to build this, let's say, large network of investors across Africa that understand each other's deal flow and know where to invest. So let's talk about the, the angel uh, investment fraternity, if we can call it that, on the continent, and, and where it's at. What's your sense of how far along we've come in terms of uh, you know, creating a substantial network uh, Compared to what you've observed in Silicon Valley, what needs to happen next in order for you to feel the, the type of confidence as far as asserting yourself as an angel investor and a sense of where everyone else is and who you can quickly pick up the phone to or set up a quick meeting with? And Where are we at in terms of that? So I think my involvement in it has been limited to date. Um, I have now realized, actually coming to demo, going to the South African Business Angels Network event, uh, meeting a lot of the African business angels around the market, um, that there are, you know, that there are a lot of people active in the space, um, but I haven't known a lot of them. And a lot of them don't know me, and I've made some investments too. Uh, and the key is, how do I build that network? How do I build business relationships with these other angels and say, hey, let's invest together? Who can I call up and say, look, I see a good investment. You want to syndicate with me and invest in this company? Um, there are a lot. I was just speaking to someone earlier. There are a lot of challenges around how do we do this, right? So if I'm working with some investors in Nigeria that want to invest in Kenya, how do you manage the flow of funds between two countries where there are capital controls involved, right? Where there's complex, you know, and how do you make this sustainable? Um, I think these are questions that, like, if we can answer as a collective angel network i think the potential is massive right people say oh well the liquidity isn't in enough there's no liquidity there right people don't have money to invest if you take you know the top two percent in terms of economic in terms of income and disposable income across most of these african countries i think it puts silicon valley to shame um the question is how do we get them to understand look there's opportunity in these spaces and you can get really really attractive returns but you need to operate as a larger team and teamwork is, I think, a bit key, right? So how do you get people to work together? Um, a lot of these, a lot of the, a lot of the top guys in a lot of top countries have made a lot of money by not being team players, particularly in environments where data is scarce and and certainly, uh, you know, the the, the 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 barriers to entry in certain industries that typically de deliver crazy returns require, quite frankly, inst either institutional money or legacy cash that might come through families or that kind of thing or trust and that kind of thing so we we don't have a culture of gee this is a great idea let me call up so-and-so and, and see if he or she would like to be involved yeah i mean i think that that's a challenge right i mean in terms of getting data out there so so something like demo africa how many startups came to demo africa how much money did they raise who did they raise it from who invested in them people understanding you know like look people are interested in doing this and Let's be honest, right? You've got so many companies, companies coming, 
through here, doing so many different things. If you don't invest around here and you don't invest in the future of Africa, you're going to miss the boat because it's not about legacy money. Yeah, it's not about, oh, I built this big conglomerate 20 years ago and we're sitting on our you know, little domain. Disruption is coming to this space. Um, and more than disruption, there's tons of room to create value where no value has been created before. Right. Greenfields. Yeah, greenfield. Well, what is everything on the Internet's greenfield? There are entire industries that have developed in other markets that have not even developed here. Right. Um, and, and in many ways, you're actually by investing in, in some of these spaces, you're 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 creating value, not even disrupting. In the same breath, there is a lot of hype around, uh, you know, you know, there is a lot of overhyped enthusiasm around growth in 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 the tech and innovation space on the continent what would you say is one of the most overhyped uh spaces you've encountered you know through your personal i mean it's 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 probably subjective on some level but i mean uh through your experience in sort of analyzing where opportunities might or might not lie what's overhyped at the moment and what perhaps in your opinion is a space that's totally flying under the radar Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, so I think in terms of hype, right, I don't think anything's overhyped enough at the moment. No, really? Really? Yes, exactly. So look, globally, right, globally, the world goes through certain waves, right? So it's fintech this year in Silicon Valley. It's starting to be AI and, and, and yeah, now, yeah? Um, it was IoT last year, right? And all the money flows into different verticals depending on the year and what's hot. And everybody's chasing after um, if you look at it in Africa, there's just not enough money flowing into the entire space. So if you say it's overhyped, look, there's a few of us that are overhyping a space and saying fintech's the next big thing. So right now, what's the big thing in Africa? Fintech, 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 right? Everybody, inv I've invested in fintech. Is my investment better than someone else's investment? You know what? That's for my entrepreneur and the person I've invested in, the business that's being built out, to prove. Yeah, to build something that's viable. The, the, the investments that succeed are the ones that are driven by founders that figure out how to make it work. And that's what's key, right? Um, is, are we overhyping something too much? I don't think so. Because I think we should hype the entire continent continuously until there's sufficient investment to actually drive entrepreneurship. And I don't think that's there yet, right? So you've got angel, we've just said, we've got angels that are investing and there are more angels and there's structures coming around this um, to grow angel investment. Are there enough VC funds? Nope. Now the challenge for VC funds are, are there enough exits? And that's key, right? So that ecosystem has to build out and it's going to take hype and overhype for I think the next three to four years before you're able to build that full iteration of investment to exit, exit that brings more money into the market and keeps driving investment across Africa. Based on some of what you said, um, I can see a lot of merit. I mean, I've, I've spoken to quite a few people here at Demo Africa and, uh, you know, I, I, I even put to, uh, you know, the you know i've even put to some some of the organizers that um you know isn't it a problem that we might be promoting a culture of pitch 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 you know you know sound good and maybe not enough emphasis on on having startup founders concentrate on the fundamentals of what make business work and sponsors walk away with all this great pr and we look you know two three years down the line and we can't find a single success story to link to say a pitch competition a hackathon or anything like that you know but some of what you've said really now puts into context the importance 
of a startup founder choosing to say participate in a competition or a, a program such as this uh, for the exposure, you know, to catch the attention of investors like you, etc. So my question really is um, to to a startup founder thinking, considering, uh, 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 considering spending a, a lot of dedicating a lot of time and energy to enter the next competition or enter, you know, you know, submit for the next demo Africa and that sort of thing. What sort of thing as a, as a as an investor sitting in the audience or watching them online through a live stream, are you on the lookout for from a that's not legit point of view or I can dig that. I'm, let me let me let me find let me let me let me DM that that founder. What are the things that to avoid? What are the things to 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 to, to make sure you have included in your presentation of your idea or your business? So I mean, just going back to like the beginning of your 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 question. My very long, yeah, my yeah. very long. This this is podcasting, so I can ask questions as long as I like. But uh, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. From the beginning, take it where you like it. My challenge is remembering the whole. So if I miss something, just let me know. But I mean, you know, you mentioned Demo Africa and pitch competitions, and are we overhyping them? And do they potentially, you know, just result in one big week of everybody's interested in this, and then everyone forgets about it? Um, that is for the founders, the investors, um, the governments that get involved in these things, and, and, and the VCs that want to continue investing to keep going, right? So, yeah, Demo Africa is great because you come here, you have 500 plus, I don't know how many people here, um, lots of investors, lots of founders, lots of media interest, you podcasting everyone. Um, that's great. question is, can we sustain this, right? Because it doesn't happen here. Here is a startup pitching an idea saying, I need money to build on my idea. After you give him that money, it's much more than money, as I said earlier, right? It's involvement, it's attention, it's helping him build it out. And it's making sure that once they've actually used that money and built a viable business or product, they get subsequent follow-on funding to help it grow. Um, so this is a long process. And if, if, if it gets forgotten after these demo days, then it's death for the entire entrepreneurship ecosystem. I don't think it is getting forgotten. I think there are people that are dedicated to space. As I told you, I stopped everything else I doing, I've, I'm doing to be active only in this space. I'm still trying to figure out, am I an angel investor? Am I raising a fund? Am I building a hybrid model in some way? That's what I'm trying to feel out here. Um, How much appetite you have to stick around to see you know, this caterpillar turn into a butterfly. You're still trying to work that out too? Well, I know I'm 100% involved and I'm definitely not going anywhere. I hope. Good. I hope we can talk next year again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be looking out for you, bro. Um, but you, you said, what am I looking for in terms, of, in terms of startups and what they are, you know, pitching and, and what attracts me? Um, so for a founder out there that's, that, that wants to build something, make sure you think it through and say, how am I going to build a business off of this? Right. If you're building something that's not supposed to make money over the long term, if you're building, you know, a charity, then you shouldn't be pitching here. Yeah. Um, if you're building a business, have a clear plan as to how I take this product, how I monetize it. Does this product have an addressable market? Is that market big enough? And tell me, look, am I trying to be an entrepreneur because I need to make a thousand dollars a month to live a more comfortable life or two thousand dollars a month or five thousand dollars a month? Or am I looking to build something that tackles a region or a country or a much larger problem? And don't tell me you're going to be Mark Zuckerberg and build Facebook. I mean, look, if you really want to do that and you think you can, by all means, say it. But build something, build a business, know how to act, you know, build, come up with an idea where you say, look, I understand what I'm actually building. 
I understand how I'm going to monetize what I'm building. This is how big my market is. Think through that idea and present it in that manner. Because if you paint the picture of how you're going to make money, then I can paint the picture of how I'm going to invest and make money too. And by all means, I'm investing to make money, not to just help you, you know, take a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> Aff afford, afford new sneakers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no. Get, get new Yeezys. <laughs> Agreed, right? Because if, if, if you're using it to make, you know, buy sneakers, then no one else is going to invest in the future African entrepreneur. And so let's talk about the, uh, your, your other investment, Saiba, uh, which, of course, is a mobile money play. I, I mean, I'm, you know what I'm curious about? I'm curious about how nervous you are um, uh, about legislative issues that are cropping up in the space. Um, we've seen very recently Nigeria basically outlaw all but three mobile, you know, money remittance services recently. We've... We've, we're seeing African countries require um, mobile networks that had, you know, launched mobile money services, register financial as financial sort of institutions in order to, you know, to have the right to operate. Um, there are these some countries uh, thinking about legislating these huge uh, reserve requirements in order for, to, for people to play in the space and. Uh, Bitcoin. Let's not even talk about Bitcoin and, and and whether it's 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 even considered money. Never mind legal tender in in some places and and then the clear need from an innovation point of view, uh, in terms of delivering what Africans need in order to just make their lives that much easier to pay for things and get around and stuff. And so here you are, invested in this cyber thing. His face is changing uh, slightly, and I, I, I want to know how nervous you are about because you're obviously bullish on fintech and, and mobile money, but you must have reservations or concerns, perhaps worries even, about where it's all going corporately on the continent in terms of this. So I think the, this is a very long answer of all your drawn up question again, but I'm trying, I'm trying to make it super clear what I'm trying to ask you. So yeah, which, is, which is you've invested money in this space and some legislative changes can completely screw that up. Some changes in economies can completely screw that up, and it's really competitive. And I was trying to be nice. Yeah, no, 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 but that's what it is, right? Um, look, fifty-five countries, fifty-five different sets of legislation. All of them have one thing in common: a large portion of the population is unbanked. So they know they have a problem. Now, how each different country decides to solve that problem is up to them, right? So Nigeria has their way of doing it, right? And the mobile money platforms that exist in East Africa, that where 50% of Kenya's GDP is transferred across mobile money, I mean, that puts Apple Pay and Google Pay to shame, right? Um, they're just starting there, right? And, and, and M-Pesa is used to pay everything from like bar tabs to restaurant bills to trading across farm, farmers, yeah, and supply chains. Um, in Kenya. So, I mean, I think mobile money, there are places where it's had a massive impact. There are places where it hasn't had an impact yet, um, where government legislation is like perhaps preventing that. Um, Ethiopia has a different view, which it says, look, we'll allow mobile money, but banks are going to do it, not the telcos, and there's going to be no FDI involved. So someone like me won't go to Ethiopia and say, let me invest in a mobile money platform because it can't work there. Um, as they go along the process, then some of them start to see value in the space. So Tanzania just added excise tax on mobile money because they're like, oh, we can extract income out of this. Now, I think all of them go through this like learning process, right? Which is, where do we want to get money out of this as a government, right? Where do we want to allow our population to grow? Where do we want, you know, how, what value does this add to our economy? 
and how do we want all of our different sectors to mature? And I think as an investor in this space, you have to understand it inside out, understand the different currents, and navigate it. I mean, there's no answer. You can't go and say, oh, they should all allow it to be open and everyone should be one. If they could do that, then, you know, we'd be, the, we'd be bigger than the U.S. We'd have a significant amount of value and we wouldn't be talking about 55 countries. So I, I, as an investor, it is a risk, but I have to learn how to navigate it. And it's my job to help my startups that I'm involved in navigate that space. And you've obviously crunched your numbers. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I, I know you, you, you're, not, you're not giving yourself as much credit as I think you should be in terms of, you know, how, how scientific you were in choosing these investments. But you've, you've crunched some numbers, right? Yeah, I mean, so I've done, I've done math, right? And then, and then, of course, all of this is kind of saying where is, where are the markets going? Right. And is there a larger play? And I mean, at the end of the day, these are all investments. And let's be honest, venture capital as an asset class is a lot higher risk than going and buying land in Kenya or Tanzania or South Africa, for that matter, assuming that the RAND doesn't change too much. Uh, but but, you know, venture class, there's there's risk that goes along with investing in this space. And, and understanding that is important. Um, do I see a future? Yes. Now, how does the startup navigate to ensuring it is successful is I think its ability to have access to the right talent, the right um, knowledge in terms of building out product and potentially actually having to pivot the product, whether it be drastically or slightly if the time is right, right? Arguably, none of these companies, you know, a startup doesn't need to die if the market closes on it because a piece of legislation closes it. If it's got users and people are using it, you can potentially look at pivoting that product to do something different, right? If, if a particular government decides to change a piece of legislation. Um, and I think these governments are also cognizant, right? Is if businesses are adding value in this space, they're not going to go and wipe them off the map. Well, they can't. Well, some think they can, but they, 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 don't, they obviously misunderstand platforms and how they work. And if they do it, then they, you know, they, the consequences are seen in terms of inflation rates and challenges within the economy and eventually in elections. And that's the whole value of democracy so now uh, give me some insights into what sort of uh, what size portfolio you need to build as an angel investor for this to be uh, what, what size portfolio are you aspiring to i mean i don't imagine two investments you know uh, well supposing you picked the you know the two unicorns on the on the continent i suppose you'd be good but i mean even if you had you probably needed to diversify somewhat What's your approach to diversification and how big your portfolio needs to be? So I think, I think you know, yeah, a significant number of more investments is key, um, but making sure that I'm able to provide the time and knowledge required to help, you know, make these investments su- succeed. Am I looking to make 500 investments in the next year? No. Am I looking to make maybe five investments a year, probably, going forward? Um, but then I'm also looking and saying, well, how do I, as an angel, my strength is limited. Right. It's limited to the capital that I personally have to put in. And I know that there are other angels operating in these spaces. And the question for me is what is needed beyond the angels? Right. So great. You do angel investments. But if there's no follow on funding, if there's no Series A funding for these startups, then my investment requires me to put in more money to follow my startup to make it succeed, which doesn't necessarily make it, you know, a good investment. Um, so I'm trying to look at and say, well, where do I need to sit? Do I need to you know, raise a Series A fund? Do I need to ra- raise an early stage seeds fund? Um, and where can I, do I need to set up an accelerator? And there's a lot of accelerators. There's a lot of incubators, right? So my, I'm spending the next few months trying to understand the overall Pan-African ecosystem. Um, so is there a potential for a, you know, a 
for you to pull a Toro Orero and 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 partner with a, a, someone like Tim Draper and, and would, in his case Draper Dark Flow and 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 go VC as well as dabble or you know you know grow a, 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 a groom a little portfolio of, of private angel investment what what would be the attractive what, what would make a prospect like that attractive or not attractive for you specifically so i mean i think i think i have a couple of things that drive me as to why i'm in this space right so one is i think having an impact right having an impact in terms of not necessarily how many entrepreneurs i empower but the impact of the investments I make or the businesses I'm involved in and their impact on, let's say, the greater population of Africa. Um, whether that be through allowing them to listen to more music or allowing them to, you know, just conduct business. That's two drastically different sides of, you know, ways of impacting populations, but that's still impact. Um, so I think having an impact is key. I think second thing is, is I am financially driven. Yeah. So this is a monetary exercise. Yeah. Um, if I'm looking to make, you know, a little bit of money, there's a lot of places in the world I can go um, with the amount of growth that you expect here. I'm looking for financial returns. And for me, I'm looking at what is the best way of getting financial returns? Is that continuing to do angel investments? Is that in structuring a fund? Is that in building something myself with partners? Um, I'm trying to balance that out and figure out the way I don't have an answer of, you know, whether I'm partnering with Toro or Bill Draper or anyone for that matter. No, yeah, as, as, and I hear what you're saying. So you really are trying to figure it out. I suppose I was just trying to understand what would go into deciding what to, whether to go into that direction. I don't know if you've thought about perhaps, you know, again, structuring a fund, which is, a, to yeah. me, listening to you, knowing, you know, the depth of your connections and, you know, how, you know, you, the time you spent in Silicon Valley, your relatively... Well, your relatively insightful understanding of what of your, what you've been exposed to so far, why what would motivate you to either stay an angel and and grow a small a small portfolio, or like turn VC or start your own thing. So I think I think I'm looking at the overall what's the maturity of the ecosystem, right? So that's one, right? It's not just what you want to do; it's 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 what's actually possible and what can you most effectively do. Um, my personal priorities. Impact money, yeah. Um, and right now, in your view, this is the best way for you to get the best bang for buck that you've worked out for now. I mean, this is what I've done to date. I think I'm just getting started in the space. So for me to say, you know, what's the right way? I think every there's everyone has a role to play in this entire, you know, change that's going on, and 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 every person has different, you know, let's say qualities to to to, to, to add, right? And, and the question is, where do I sit in this ecosystem? I'm figuring it out. So. All right, cool. Very nice, Steve. Well played, because we're going to play this back a year from now. <laughs> there might be some awkward voice, vox pops to, to respond to, which you've obviously avoided. You've avoided the landmines. Yeah, well done. I, I will listen to this before we meet next year, just so I can figure out what to answer. <laughs> well, well done. Okay, so I, you know, one of my last questions. Uh, you, you were a consultant in the change management space, correct? Yeah, I was for seven years. Okay, so what is the one thing you miss the most? Because you've, you've changed your life. You've t turned your back on the dark and evil world of corporate... I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> you've turned your back on really a, a lucrative but a very stressful career, I'd imagine. Uh, I haven't been a consultant myself. I know a few. They're very high-strung people. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, um, uh, yeah, what do you miss, if anything? 
And if you could, two questions. What do you miss? And if you could, what from that world would you drag into your current world in order to make you a better angel investor or better at, at the hustle you're, you're growing? So I think, what do I miss? Uh, oddly enough, I sometimes miss being in hotels, right? Because then I don't have to clean up after myself. You know, I come back and my... What do you do now? Huh? I clean up after myself. Oh, because you're home a lot more. <laughs> exactly, right? So when you're in a hotel, you don't have to clean up after yourself because you can leave the bed undone and it's made when you come back. You can leave your laundry on the floor and someone picked it up when you come back. No. Um, what do I really miss? I miss having servants. <laughs> um... Well, I miss the company paying for the paying for the hotel, which results in everything getting cleaned up after me. No, um, I miss the variety of businesses I was involved in. So I almost worked in a different industry, a different country every month for seven years. Um, I do miss that. Um, I miss the challenge of of working within large corporates and having people challenging you and your approach on a day to day basis. Um, being an entrepreneur, being an investor. That's a bit of a lonely space to be in. Yeah. But, I, okay, now you're, I mean, I, I thought consul consulting seems pretty lonely to me. I mean, you're in, it's, it's different people. You, you, you're, you're lonely. You walk into organizations. You want to make a difference. Half the people there, most of the people you're interacting with most frequently don't really like you or resent your presence there. Um, even when you do a good job, it's expected because, please, we're paying you all this money. I don't know. Am I right about this? I thought it was a lonely, difficult job. Well, it, okay, you're lonely because you're alone, right? Lonely in terms of people challenging you on a day-to-day -day basis, right? If you're an investor in this space and you're going to entrepreneurs, they're going to say, oh, I want your money. They're not going to say, oh, but I don't want your money because in Africa, the imbalance is the fact that there's more entrepreneurs than money available, right? Silicon Valley, the opposite, right? More money, less, you know, and people fight over entrepreneurs, um, I think lonely in terms of people personally challenging you and saying, is this the right decision? Because to yourself, everything can seem like the right decision. Um, there was a second part of your question, which I've now forgotten. Which is, what would you take from that world and bring into this world? Uh, it, that you, what would you take from your former life into this current life to make you that much more effective at, at being an angel? So next time I'm going to have a notepad to like note down all your questions as we go along. I'm particularly long-winded today, which for which I apologize. But <laughs> um, So what would I take into this world? I mean, I think, I think what I'm trying to take into this world is helping businesses grow, right? So that was my, my job was whether it be making something more efficient in implementation, it was delivering whatever I thought the value was, right? Whether it be efficiency, whether that, you know, to grow or efficiency to drive down cost or efficiency to, to, to produce more product. Um, I think I'm trying to do the same here, right? It's a completely different space to do it in, right? So from working on bottling lines and battery plants and mines and construction sites and telcos to working with young entrepreneurs that, that, are, that are in some cases growing their first business or scaling to a certain level for the first time or second time um, in much more challenging capital conditions than the billion-dollar corporates I used to work with. Um, I think applying that knowledge into this space is, is perhaps the one thing I'd like to do, and I think that's where I can possibly bring the most value as an investor and a participant within the ecosystem. And so there's a question I completely forgot to ask, but I must, because I don't know how frustrated you are by the fact that a million users in the context of Silicon Valley and a startup you, you could have backed there would is like an insane amount of traction, right? And I want to know whether the fact that the, the type of value you know put on a business that is able to, to engage that many users, you know, in the case of Ndundo, uh, but, but not attract the kind of, investor interest and maybe money 
that it would had it been a Silicon Valley endeavor. Is that down to, fun, you know, the business fundamentals of the value or the prospective value that you could extract from a million African users is fundamentally different to a million users in any part of the developed world? Or is it just people looking down their noses at, 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 at African innovation and not valuing it on the same, you know, on, on the same terms as they would, uh, you know, innovation in, in more developed parts of the world? So, this is a heavy question, yeah? <laughs> it is a bit heavy question for a last question. But, uh, I mean, we spoke about this off mic yeah. um, the other day, and, and, I, and I, I wanted to put it down. I, I, wanted to, I have to ask you. Yeah, yeah. I think it makes for an interesting. Fair enough. Um, I think, so it, it's a combination of things, right? So you got to find the right investors that believe in the value of the African user, right? So today is the African user worth a lot? No. Is the, wor- is the African user worth a lot in two years? It's worth more than it is today, right? Um, are the number of African users growing? Is the addressable market growing? Yeah, the addressable market is growing here. And I don't know what the yearly smartphone numbers are on GSMA's last, latest, latest report, but I think it's you know double-digit year-on-year growth rates in terms of smartphones. So your addressable market's growing. The African user is not worth nothing. The African user is worth something. Now, the debate is how much is that African user worth today? How much is that African user worth a year from now? And how much, that user is Af- that African user is worth, how much is that African user worth five years from now? Um, I'm investing in the future. I'm not investing in just today. I know that there is value here. I know that that value is only going to increase. And it may be single digits. It may be double digits. But it's going to be greater than a lot of other parts of the world. Um, there's less competition here. So if you're an investor and you're looking at, hey, do I invest in the African space? Let's be honest, you don't have Spotify, right? You don't have Apple Music. 3% of the African population is using Apple. And it's not going to change anytime soon unless they decide to produce a $30 smartphone, which I don't think they would. So at the end of the day, there's less competition here. So if you invest, you're more likely to succeed. And I think, and I think you have investors that are called everybody here standing in this room in Demo Africa understands that to a certain extent. Does the outside world fully understand that? No. Um, but I think that's a process. That's a process of hopefully everyone listening to your podcast. Um, Most of them, I have to say, streaming via their Apple devices and not downloading, which tells us something about the, <laughs> the, 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 at least the affluence or the level of, uh, of, of uh, yeah, the, the level of affluence of our audience. Yeah, and I mean, it, that's good, I guess, right? Um, I hope a lot of people outside of Africa are listening to this. I hope people are understanding that, look, this place is changing. Um, there's a boat to catch. There'll be a couple of boats. This one's a really big one, I think. If you get in early, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, I think there's a lot of growth to be had. Um, I think it'll take time to mature. I don't think if you're here for like one quick win, oh, I'll make a million dollars and go away. No, it's not going to happen like that. Um, and there's a lot to understand. So you don't come into this market and just say, oh, I'm the big boy and I'm going to go and play. And no, I think it's taking time to understand what's happening, the nuances of every market. Um, the challenges, because if you're not careful, you come in, you get burned, then you run away and say, oh, I lost my money in Africa, which is not good for the overall ecosystem. And then we don't want you here. <laughs> um, but there is, there is, you know, so yeah, would, would, would something like Madundo attract a lot of attention in, in, in the Valley? Probably, right? With 20% month-on-month growth, million users, pretty sticky. Yeah. Now the challenge is these users are not, you know, they're revenue generating, but they're not rev- significantly revenue generating, right? And, 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 and it's going to take time to get there. Um, our job is to keep going, to make sure we find that follow-on investment, keep going, and, and 
when everyone else wakes up, we're ready there and we've already won the market. And that's what we're trying to do is win the market early and then the value is there. Wow, you're certainly one of the, yeah, I, uh, your, your advocacy for the tech space on the continent this is quite refreshing. Your humility uh, to, the, to the complexities of operating in this space is also great. I mean, there's a great balance of enthusiasm and caution and, you know, excitement and, you know, uh, care that you, 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 br you bring to the table. It's been fun chatting, man. Thank you very much. It's been good. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very pleased.